Now, Scotland's talking. Call 0333 2020 401 and join the debate. Hello and a very good morning. Welcome to Scotland's Talking. I'm Ali Bally, here through until 12 midday. On the programme today, should we keep Sunday special for motorists, yes? The motorist is going to be hit in the pocket once again. Glasgow City Council has decided to come into line with Scotland's other big cities and start charging for street parking seven days a week. What will that do for our beleaguered high streets? The impact on the jobs for the city centre could be more folks are going to out-of-town shopping centres where they can get their parking for free. That's Stuart Patrick, the Chief Executive of Glasgow Chamber of Commerce. So would you feed the metres on a Sunday? Or indeed, do you go somewhere else? The phone lines are open if you've got things you'd like to say if you've been bitten by the beast from the east. Did you get stranded struggling to get into work? Or have you been unable to leave the house or your street? Is there someone you would like to thank who you couldn't have got through the week without? And after 11, I'll be chatting to a man who's formed what he says is Scotland's first men's mental health charity to tackle the causes of suicide, which is the biggest killer of men under 45 in this country. It's all coming up on Scotland's Talkin'. Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. I'm Ali Bally. A little bit of a throaty today, so apologies for that. Uh, but uh, no different from anybody else. Stephen knows and everything else. Yeah, we've well, got it. You got the picture? Good, good, good. So, uh, this morning, talking about various subjects, as always. But, of course, the one that everybody's been talking about is the weather. You know, and uh, have we coped with it well or are we just, you know, well, they manage in other countries. Why is it always the UK that gets caught out like this? Because we don't get it that often. You know, that, I think that is the problem. Uh, anyway, if you want to talk about the weather, then that's fine. Or indeed, as, as I mentioned at the, the start of the show there, it might be something that uh, someone even that's helped you out. Uh, let's go to Josephine, first of all. Hi, Josephine. Good morning, Good Alex. morning. How the devil are um, you? I'm for Pennycook. <laughs> you're for Pennycook, right. Right. Three quick points, Alex. Mm-hmm. On Wednesday, I had a very, very important hospital appointment, right? I phoned in on Tuesday and asked if they could give me a bed for the night because things were getting... Uh, sorry, Thursday morning. Things were getting so bad. But they couldn't because they've got an extra ward alley. They've got, there was two ladies for Selka that can't get home. Two for five couldn't get home. My niece went out and scraped her car at six o'clock in the morning and got me in for that very urgent appointment. Right. But Ali... I could have, she phoned me and she says, I'm outside, Auntie Jo, I can't leave my car. Can you try and make your way out? Ali, I had my trousers rolled up, my wellies on, and when I was getting from my path to her car, all the snow was in my wellies and everything, right? I'm just disgusted. We're an aging population and we need a wee bit of help sometime, please. Even clearing somebody's path is a godsend. The other thing I'd like to say is, in my neighbourhood, a new couple have moved into the house, right? The lady had a baby four weeks ago, and she's got a little girl at four, and she's from Australia. She came and knocked my door yesterday. She had the baby in her jacket. Beautiful, and a wee girl. I'm going to Tesco. Is there anything you're needing? Now, is that no wonderful? Is that not what it should be about, though? Yes, what I'm going to say to you, Ali, right? 
the headlines in the Sun newspaper yesterday. Bread alert. Good God in heaven, Ali. Can we not go three days without a loaf of bread? I know. I, I, I must admit, I'm with you on that one. I thought, for goodness sake, get a life. And Ali, yeah. I quickly have to say, if people are feeling cold or people are inconvenienced, for God's sake, think of all the children refugees. They have no homes, Ali, and no, they've not even got a country now. There are people on the streets here who have no homes, Josephine. I appreciate that, and I've spoke to you before about that. How many empty buildings are lying empty, mattresses on the floor, and they're in for a hot cup of tea, Ali. It's not, I don't care about my own people, but I watch their parents on that telly. They've never had a normal childhood, Ali. All they've saw is blood and horror. Mm -hmm. But no... I'm telling you now, Ali, you, you know I've spoke to you before. You have. Loads and loads of empty premises, for God's sake. Mattresses on the flare, an urn for a hot cup of tea. And that's no difficult to achieve, Ali. Well, you would think it wouldn't be, but there are still people in this weather spending time and, and, and the mites on the streets and wondering how they are uh, going to cope. But, Josephine, thanks for kicking us off today. Joseph's next. Hi, Joseph. Good morning, Ali. Good morning to you. Uh, not too bad today, Ali. I would like to say about Nicola Sturgeon, why is she blaming the truck drivers? Oh, I think that was a, a, an airhead moment. I think but, that was absolutely stupid. Ali, they're the, they're the lifeline of the country. If these trucks don't get through, everything go, people, the, the supermarket shops, the deliveries, these, these big trucks go to uh, the distribution depots, and then it goes on to the, the, the local distribution truck. So if these can't get through, Ali, that can't... Castle Carey, up to uh, Steps, into Denny. They should block that off, Alan, cleared it, and then let the trucks get through. But uh, again, you know, to blame one section, uh, you know, is, is a bit wrong, I think, because a lot of these truck drivers would have started their journey before the snow even was yeah, coming in. Yeah, understand that, Alan. You know, they start down south or they, they work their way up, and, and you know, if... If it was at that time of the afternoon, you know, because it was the afternoon that the yeah. whole thing kicked off, uh, they were expecting to be able to get through. So was was this statement by by our First Minister just to take away from the mess that our transport system is Ali, the cause of the government? Ali, the whole transport system's a mess. Edinburgh Line, I'll go on to Edinburgh Line, three carriages, Ali, from Green Street, overcrowded, bikes, prams, everything. One of the trains crashed, Ali. It'd be a catastrophic blunder. But it's been like that. It's not just under this government. It's been like that for years. I know, Ali. And I, never... I don't know. I mean, ten years ago I was going on about this, that you, you get shuttled onto a train and you're, you're like a herd of cattle and you stand... There was one that I stood all the way down to Newcastle. For, uh, you know, and I thought, this is ridiculous. I've paid a fortune for this ticket and I'm standing. I know. And the thing about it, Ali, is... You get the, the transport minister come on saying, oh, everything's all hunky-dory, don't worry, but we're getting these new trains and carriages. When are we getting all this transport system? And they just seem to buck us off all the time, Ali, with, a, with a, a answers and ideas. Oh, we're running up smoothly. And then you get down to a train station and act down every week, Ali. They're never on time. They're never on time. They keep saying, oh, trains are not... They're never. They, never, they don't even stand in a station and watch it. The train's leaving, they're coming in because they're never on time. You see, Joseph, I have to go on the other side there and say that last Saturday uh, and Sunday, I got on a train and went to Newcastle, and then I came back on Sunday. It was a Virgin train, a Virgin East Coast, and the service was absolutely spot on. It was 
on time leaving, it was on time arriving, both ways. The seats that were booked were there. There was about uh, 12 of us on the, this little stag weekend. And it was abs- it was superb. And yet Virgin are having to give it up because they, could, they can't make money out of it. The, 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 tra- that, the, train, the, the trains were packed. Well, you know? that's, what, that's what I'm saying, Alan. You've got good companies. And then the Scottish, uh, Scott Rail is running their railway system and can't do anything. And a bellow is a disgrace at what they're doing to your... your your trains and the money they're trying off your the taxes. They don't. It's a it's a it's a, a, a Dutch company government that That's runs right. your trains. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, and the the managing director, previous managing director has been on here taking calls, and the current managing director has been on taking calls. Maybe it's time we got them back on again. I was. Nobody is, Ali. This changing and different companies taking over our railway system when it should be. Finally, thoroughly done with the government. Say, right, we'll need to get this sorted out. The people of Scotland have had enough of this. Late for their work, getting their, their money stopped because they're not intent to get into their. The, the, the government doesn't understand the people. They just sit there and say, I'll do this and do that. Come out into the streets and the train stations and the buses and see how the people's got to Cove Valley. I think the announcement that you mentioned this week of the three carriages yes. on certain routes has been brushed aside far too easily to be able to, to just stand there and say, well, there are no carriages. We don't have any. There are none available in the car. It's not good enough. It really is not good enough. Get, get the prices down then. Ali, that's what it is, Ali. The, the, the money they're wasting and uh, putting up the price doesn't, doesn't guarantee your... your Get the prices down and more people and get more carriages built. This, we've been suffering for years with this, Ali. You know what I mean? We seem to be one of these countries that promises, promises, but nothing happens. OK, Joseph, thank you very much indeed. Talking there about the, the weather and the way it's happened. Uh, Joseph saying that the comment from our First Minister saying truckers shouldn't have been on the roads or something similar. I'm not quoting it exactly, but that's what she was saying. And then seemed to backtrack and say, no, I didn't say that at all. Uh, yes, you did. Uh, OK, right, uh, John Bissett's next. Hi, John. Good morning to you. A very good morning, sir. Uh, isn't it great that community comes together when we get situations like weather, climate, and so forth. That woman from uh, Pennycook, what a fantastic lady. I think when the community comes together to help, whether it's shuffling snow, making sure your neighbour's well, making sure they've got hot food and so forth, is a great thing, Ali. It doesn't take long to just knock on a door, does it? Just to Uh, make sure. Exactly. And the thing is, uh, loneliness... And this is the thing, I mean, you're going to speak about mental health later, but it's amazing the amount of people, you know, and the mental health issue, but loneliness is bad. As we just said there, just to talk. It's nice to talk. Mm -hmm. And it's all about opinions. Yeah, it's all about opinions, and and that's, you know, you say it's nice to talk, and I think that's where um, this, I, I won't say young society that we've got, but all society at the moment, they'd rather go on an email than speak to someone, you know, and, and, and people send me emails and I, and I go back and say, let's talk, you know, <laughs> lift the phone, don't just send emails, talk to somebody. It's good to talk, Ali. Thank you very much indeed, you're finished talking. All right, OK, uh, here's the number again, 033-2020-401, if you'd like to join us. We're, we're just kicking off today, talking about the weather, I think it will come up throughout the programme, which is fine. Uh, that number again, 033-2020-401. Let's go to John. Hi, John, how are you doing? Oh, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. All right, <laughs> press, I pressed the wrong button. No, they're keeping me here till I get it right. It's only been 38 years. Right, go on then. 
Has the beast been affecting you? you the, beast, the beast from the, the east beast. has not affected me too much. No, no. I couldn't get him a drive, but apart from that, yeah, it's been all right. I mean, Ali, at my age, I used to work with the boards and all his linesmen. And we had a few beasts from the east, and I used to like it because we used to work in care work conditions, like, but we got a lot of money in that, you know, but it's not a tremendous thing. So it's not going to last that long. So I've just got to go on with it. I mean, the only old people that lived in, like I did, in the days when it was just a wee coal fire and all the rest of it, kind of a wee shop and that, and we'd be very hardy devils, so we got on with it. But you know, in past year, I've been to the council about the, the payments. I thought, can you know where the payments clear? Because in my day, the shops used to clean all the front of the shops so you could at least walk. You know, it, they never really done that at the shop. Nobody's, people today, for I say, I try to clean up the but John, hang on, is that not just a problem that we have? You said yeah, it, you know, years ago, people would yeah, be out yeah, cleaning right. the front of their shops. That's correct. Now they expect that's the correct. council to do it. That, that's right. We, we, people used to work together, but today, no. I mean, the, the council says that they're too busy with this and busy with that. You know? Well, I, I, mean, I, 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 I agree with them. I agree with the council. I think, that, you know, they've got to get their priorities. There are, you know, looking at the headlines this week, of, you know, criticism about the time it's taken to close schools, uh, more criticism in the uh, press, the time that it's not taken to close schools. and You know, they, they're never going to get it all right. It's, it's no, severe no. weather. We knew it was coming, but you yeah, just but, you just yeah. don't know how severe it's going to be. I, I think the councils, you know, probably have got it just right. Um, with, yeah, with the, the, and the criticism of, of people uh, out there, you know, we never see a grisser. Well, I can assure you, uh, the grissers are out there. I, I've, I've seen quite a few of them, but they're sticking in the main to the main roads to keep them open and to bus routes. That's where, just because they didn't come into your cul-de-sac doesn't mean they're not working. I know they're working, Ali. I know, but I said, somebody next to me is an old folks' home, and there's people who, at the moment, my, my son, that they can't get out and. Uh, but they shouldn't have been going out, John. Or... John, hang on. You've just said it's an <laughs> old, fo- it's an old <laughs> folks' home, for goodness sake. They've been told to stay in the house. Well, Ali, how did they survive? Where did they get the food? And how did they get. They should have had and... more than three days' food in the, in the old folks' home anyway. Come on. Goodness sake, everybody clearing the shelves of bread and milk. What a piece of nonsense. I know, well, I went down the day and got bread. But again, you're a young guy, Ali. Wait till you get to your ages. Then you'll be saying different stories. (laughs) Your mind will change. John, there is is nobody as old as you. (laughs) Well, there is, Ali. Come on, how how old are you again? 84, Ali. Yeah, I see what I mean. Right, Okay. thank you. John, John, say goodbye, because you're going. The beast has gone. The beast has gone, right. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Right, right. Thanks. Um, We'll take John Carr. I go on then. Right. Hello, John. Good morning, Ali. How are you, my friend? Not too bad, thank you. Not too bad. Right. So what have you got to say about it? Taxi driver first. I'll say you are a taxi driver. So what's your thoughts on the weather? Well, I've got to take my hat off the authorities um, and in uh, circumstances that were way way out everybody knew it was coming everybody knew it was happening but Ali people have got to remember that we get it once in a blue moon I know that people moan and complain and say country comes to a standstill and all the rest of it but it's once in a blue moon now 
countries abroad cope better because they are prepared to pay for the, the machinery, they're prepared to pay for snow tyres, which have got studs on them, which can go through the snow and help you get about. We couldn't cope with it in this country because of the tarmac. Have Such you got, have you got snow tyres on your taxi? No, I haven't. Why no. not? It because it doesn't pay Ali to have snow tyres on for two or three days and then take them off and put them in a garage the next year. It just doesn't pay. No, I, 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 I agree with you on that. I was just looking for you to confirm it because there's been a lot of comments this week, particularly for those who are maybe in Scotland that have stayed in other countries. Oh, we should all be having snow tyres. What for? They're going to sit in the garage for at least 10 months of the year. Correct. Or you're, you're going to just keep them on and wear them down. No, no. But here's a thought, Ali. Now, when's... Sorry, John, we're losing you. We're, I don't know where you're going, but you're under a tunnel or something, but you're gone. Oh, he's gone, right. We'll try and get him back because he was going to make a point there. 23 minutes after 10. You're listening to Scotland's Talking, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talking. Let's go back and get John Carr back on again. John, what were you going to say before you rudely disappeared? <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry about that, Alex. Yeah, uh, as I was saying, Ali, when you have a situation where you are, you have get heavy snow like that. Now, surely it would make common sense to have a pool of drivers. Now, drivers like myself, taxi drivers, lorry drivers, all these kind of drivers, they're all off the road, they're all idle. So if you, if you had a pool of drivers and a phone call, they say, look, we need you up here. Council wagons, council this, council that. They're all qualified drivers. Put them on, get them gritting, get the roads clear. That would make a lot of sense to me. It would, actually, because I'm sure, as you say, professional drivers who are, are sitting around and maybe not doing something because they've been told to, to stay off the road, whether it be taxi drivers, truck drivers, van drivers, who who could then, you know, get get involved in, in clearing the roads, etc., um, you know, yep. if, if the machinery was lying idle anyway. Yeah, volunteering. Yes, for it. yes, because you've got machines there, you've got drivers there, and they're both sitting idle. Right. Why not put them together and get them working? That's a good idea, yes. I mean, I noticed that some of the councils have got farmers out with tractors and things. In fact, uh, I, I, I don't know whether it was a farmer or not, but about six o'clock this morning there was a tractor going up and down my road. And I thinking, oh, well, I'm going to yeah. so get in this morning then, uh, which is great, absolutely. John, thank you for that. It was a good idea and maybe something that... Uh, uh, someone in authority can pick up on whether uh, that would, you know, whether insurance or whatever would come to to knock that one on the head. But, uh, John, thank you. George, how are you doing? I'm, I'm OK. Good, good. What's your point? Uh, about the, the gritting again. Go on, then. I stand at the top of a hill somewhere in, in Dundee, right? OK. Um, we, get the, we don't get the grit always up here. We get the gritting always down the bottom half and never come to the top half. Right. And it's the top half that causes the problem. Top half. You know, the bin hasn't been empty since Thursday. Right. Is it because they just can't get to you, or is it they just miss you out because you're, you're not a priority? They can come up to us. Even the whole street's not a priority. They can come up to us. Right. Even I... that's where the salt bin to get full. A salt bin sent me. 
I've saw Burns sent me to compete. Right. And has anybody taken this up with the, the council? <laughs> I'm I'm telling them the council about this, but right. when right. it gets done about it. That is the problem, isn't it? It's, it's you, you, you know something's wrong, but it's getting somebody to pay attention. As I say, I think they're under tremendous pressure, the councils, at the moment anyway. Um, and, and uh, George, it's just a case of keeping knocking and hopefully somebody will come and clear your streets at the top of your hill in Dundee. Thanks for that. Uh, from Dundee to Larrickshire, Andy's there. Hello, Andy. How are you doing? Hi there, Ollie. Right, what's your point, Andy? It was just a wee thing that was said about 10 minutes ago about clearing your path outside your house or your premises. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a, a few years back, somebody had cleared their, the front of their house and somebody slipped on it after they had cleared it and they were done for it and they find that they were said, what was the, the, the thing was, they were deemed to have taken charge of the pavement. Really? Yeah. So by clearing it, you could make it even more treacherous, I suppose, because it's a bit slippy. It's just, just nuts, and isn't you, it? It's and you had to keep it clear. Mm. So old Health and Safety Brigade again, getting on top yes. of things. Absolutely, yes. yeah. But I still think we should be out there clearing it, if, if necessary. I agree, I agree with you, but I'm uh, too frightened to do so in case somebody took a... Take a fall. Well, that's it. If they take a fall, then and it comes back on you, and before you know where you are, you think you're just, you know, you're you're just keeping it clear for yourself, and somebody falls and ends up suing you. It's not what you yeah. want, is it? It's not what no. you want at all. No, it's not. No, it's not. Thank you very much indeed for that, Andy. Thanks. Uh, so there you are. There, there's some of your uh, snow. Keep them coming in, of course. The number o treble three twenty twenty. 401. If you'd like to join us on Scotland's Talking, uh, tell us a bit, a bit about the weather where you've been, how it's affected you. Uh, have we been to Irvin? No, we've not. Uh, and we've got Robert there. Hello, Robert. Good morning. Good morning. Your point, please. Well, my point is I feel that a lot of your previous points have been a bit in the negative side. Now, I would, I'd like to start off by saying I am not a... Uh, a, a great fan of North Ayrshire Council, but they're not all bad. I had a very important dental appointment last Wednesday, and of course when I woke up, the snow was on the ground. Mm -hmm. Two things happened. First of all, all the non-disabled who used the disabled parking spaces must have been stuck in their bed, so it should snow more often. So I managed to get a disabled parking space outside the dentist, and lo and behold, when I opened the car door, the council had cleared the pavement. So I managed. I had a stroke 10 years ago. Right. And have severe mobility problems. But on Wednesday, I... I would have to say North Ayrshire Council did what I feel they should be doing. So they got uh, the thumbs up from you then? Yes, for once. <laughs> for once. <laughs> so they don't always get it right. No. No, no well, in fact, fun enough, well, the pavements uh, are a problem. Every time they lay a pavement, they use block paving, and it's never level. And you, you can see it when it rains, where all the puddles are. Mm -hmm. And But the one thing they can do with a pavement, they're hell of a good at putting the camber on it, 
So with somebody like me, who has one weak side and one good side, walking along some of these pavements in the camber is not the easiest thing. Fortunately, my wife is always with me because I my license was revoked. Right. So she's there. So fortunately, she is literally my anchor. But <laughs> she holds you back. Yes. <laughs> yes, right. OK, thank you very much indeed, Robert, for coming on with uh, some positive thoughts. Uh, and I, I think uh, you say most of it was negative. I, I, I've been saying, you know, I think the councils have been doing uh, a good job, but uh, thanks for that. Uh, but some of our calls have been negative. Uh, Ken's in Glasgow. Ken, how are you doing? Uh, a bit cold, Ali. It's snowing again here out near Cambridge Lang. Right, yeah, it's flickering through at the moment here. Um, so we thought it was going to go away a couple of days. How has it affected you then? Well, I mean, as an Uber driver, um, with a red alert, I didn't go out because of the risk to life, but the times I did go out, I mean, I've been stuck a couple of times, and what surprised me was the lack of grip bins. You know, I mean, when I get stuck, the grip would help me get out, and occasionally, sometimes I had to walk quite a bit to find a grip bin to get the grip to help me out. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the, if there'd be more grip bins, then people would be able to, to grip their pavements or the roads outside, because... I know that the, the gritters have priorities, bus routes, and etc. But as I said, there seems to be a lack of grit bins in a lot of areas, and I think they could do more. Uh, the councils, regarding where you are, uh, regardless of where you are, regarding these grit bins. I was wondering your thoughts on that. Well, I, I, what's interesting is that you're in Glasgow and we've already had a couple of calls from others in different parts of Scotland saying there have been no grits, you know, no, no grits, and yet, yet we hear all the councils saying they've got enough grit, they've got loads of it. So why are the grit bins being ignored then? Because well, it, it is handy when people, it comes to... I think people don't, don't realise that they're supposed to... They can, use, they can complain about the gritters not being out, but if the grit drivers can't get out of their driveways to get to their work, how can the grass come out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a catch-22 situation there. But, I mean, people must realise that in some of the side streets, it's also the grip bins are there for their use to help to help them. That's right. They don't seem to realise this. Get out there and you use it. Mean? If, if the grip bins are full, get out there and use it. And I must admit, yeah. you know, I used some grits to get me out of a, a situation this week, and it does help, without a doubt, yes. But why are the, the grip bins empty? I don't know, Ken. Maybe we can ask uh, someone from uh, Glasgow City Council as to why, why are you ignoring the grip bins? Ken, thank you very much indeed. Keep your calls coming in. It's 033 2020 We'll continue talking about the weather. But I also want to, to bring in a subject that I, I, I just wondered how you feel feel about this doesn't make you stay away from city centres. We know that there are high streets under great pressure, like never before. And and that's a subject that I've talked about before, because I, I used to be in retailing, and I'm probably just still a, a, a shopkeeper at heart. And, and I get concerned when I see empty high streets and empty shops and two-let signs, etc., But my question for you this morning is whether we're knocking the final nail in the coffin by making us pay for parking in our city centres on a Sunday. It's not just in city centres, of course. It's it's across other towns, etc. as well. I think Angus Council were looking to bring parking charges in where they haven't in certain towns. And, and, And they're all doing it to do one thing, and that's to raise money. But... In Glasgow, the councillors voted through a budget which included plans to charge seven days a week for on-street parking and at the same rates as through the rest of the week. 
which they're also putting up. So it'll be a pound for 15 minutes, four pounds an hour. The council says this will raise an extra £400,000 a year. And it's free money because the parking wardens already work on a Sunday. Now, in Edinburgh, the council plans to bring in afternoon charges on Sundays later this year. That's what they do already in Dundee and Aberdeen. Councils, as I say, are strapped for cash. We know that. But is this a way to raise it? Or are the only winners the out-of-town retail parks? Natalie Crawford has been speaking to Stuart Patrick, the Chief Executive of Glasgow Chamber of Commerce, for Scotland's talking. We are um, pretty uneasy about the uh, introduction of parking charges on uh, a Sunday. We're rather worried it will have an impact on the level of custom coming into the city centre. So obviously you don't have a crystal ball, but what sort of impact could you see that having on businesses? Uh, well, we, we do understand why the council is uh, having to work so hard to make its budgets uh, uh, add up, but we are worried that in the budget assumptions the council's making, they themselves assume that anything up to a quarter of the people currently uh, using uh, parking spaces in Glasgow City Centre on a Sunday may not come in. So the impact on the jobs for the city centre could be um, that it simply speeds up the shift in retail demand to the online services or more folks are going to out-of-town shopping centres where they can get their parking for free. So is this a decision that you would be encouraging the council to take another look at, um, reconsider, maybe even reverse? We would certainly be keen for the City Council to look closely at this, especially since um, the public transport offer on a Sunday is usually quite restricted. So we would rather like to see what would happen if public transport is to be improved before they carry through uh, the charge increases that they propose. Do you think knowing that they'll have to pay for parking is enough to drive customers away to the likes of Silverburn and, and Brayhead and all these other kind of nearby shopping centres that do have free parking or do you think people will just kind of, you know, shrug their shoulders and, and, and just accept that the, that this is the case and that they have to pay for parking. That's the challenge for us. We don't know. Um, we can be fairly sure that some will decide that uh, it's a better option to go down to the uh, out-of-town shopping centres. But we don't know what the scale of that is, and I'm, I suspect the council won't know either. Mm. So what do you think? What would you do if, it's, if you're deciding, you know, if the snow wasn't there and you decided to go out this afternoon? Maybe you are going out this afternoon. Would you go to the high street where the shops are open and you've got to pay to park in the streets or whatever? It might cost you, you know, as I say, £4 an hour. Or, or would you go to a retail park where you can get parked without any problem? It won't cost you any money. You can wander around the shops, enjoy it, have a cup of coffee and come back and not worry about putting extra money into your car or having a ticket on it. What would you do? What, you know, we are sitting in almost every major town we're sitting with empty shops and the high streets are not what they used to be. Me? I think it's person personally, I think it was pedestrianisation that caused a lot of the problems. But there again, that's just me. That, that was the start of the problems. The pedestrianisation of high streets. I should have left them as they were. Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Back on the phone lines, it's Sarah next. Hello, Sarah, how are you doing? I'm fine. Good, what's your point? Uh, I've got two points. Two points? Um, oh, yeah. Right, go for it then. Right, the first one is about the parking. Like you, um, I, I know that they need money, the council, 
but they should actually on a Sunday follow like Buchanan Galleries and a reduced rate. Also, um, it's not just the, the parking that's killing the shops, it's the rates. It's the far, far too high. Mm-hmm. It's very short-sighted, I think, of the council. I mean, it's better, I believe, to get less money um, in the long term than more money in the short term. Um, for example, if you go to Savoy Centre, loads of these stalls are shut, mm-hmm. and the people are telling you, you know, it's because of rates and rent, they can't afford it. So really, the, the, you know, they're out of... It's getting out of control, the yeah. rates. And if they were, in your opinion, if they were to bring the rates for high streets down, yeah. then it might fill shops. So in the end of the day, the shops that they're not getting any rates for yeah. Um, yeah. at the moment would be full. And, would yeah. you know, the, the high streets would be busy again. So we've yep. got landlords who are charging too much for the rent and we've got the councils that are charging too much for the, the rates, which makes it just impossible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you go shopping? When you're going shopping, do you automatically go to a high street or would you go into the town or do you head for one of the shopping centres on the outskirts? where it's Well, I, I would probably, um, I usually, if I have to go into town, I'll go to, like, Buchanan Galleries on a Sunday. Right. Because it, it's a reduced rate. Um uh, and other than that, um, I would prefer to go to, you know, somewhere that doesn't charge, like, um, you know, the big shopping centres, etc. Right. You know, right. out of town. So you would go out of town? Yeah. Mm, that's, see, it's interesting that we have become a society that all of a sudden, and I, I'm like you, I, I might go after the show here, I'll go into the town and uh-huh. find that it's reasonably quiet, but, you know, come midday they're, they're charging. Um, yeah. And then I can go... <sighs> Um, ten minutes away into one of the, outsh- the big uh, retail parks and find yeah. that they're absolutely packed, you know, yeah. and, that, and, that, and yeah. that's where people are spending their money. Yeah. yeah. I also wanted to mention about um, the weather. Um, I was told just I had to get a taxi because of the weather to the shops, and the taxi driver was telling me that there was a shop in Bishop Briggs charging £2 for a loaf, and believe it or not, there's a shop. There was a shop in Postle Park charging five pound a loaf. A loaf, a bread. Uh-huh. Yep, and people were paying. It. I was going to say people are daft enough to pay it. Yep, yep. I mean, nuts. really, those shops should be named and shamed. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's the people that are paying for it that should, yeah. you know, it should be. Hang on, wait a minute here. You know, everything will be back to normal in a couple of days. Surely you can uh-huh. do with it, but without a loaf of bread for a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay, Sarah. Thank you very much indeed. I want to squeeze in Rose, who's in Livingston, before we go to the news. Rose, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Your point, please. Um, See, with the weather being as bad as this, they should get the people that are on the door out on the street doing a little bit of work, clearing all the paths for everybody. Why? Why should the people on the dole have to do it? That's that's discrimination of, of a certain society who can't get jobs. Why, well, it, why be... on earth should we go and get your path cleared by somebody on the dole? Because they would get a bit extra money for doing it and they might actually feel better for working, doing a bit of work than sitting on the backsides doing nothing. Who says they're sitting on their backsides doing nothing? That is... Oh, no, quite a lot that are. Ah, uh, no, totally think you're wrong on there. You know, just because you're unemployed doesn't mean you're sitting on your backside doing nothing, Rose. You're sitting there looking at the world in your rose-coloured spectacles. Thank you for your call. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'.
Sunday morning, it's Ali Bally with Scotland's Talking Music and Conversation to take us through till 12 midday. Uh, still lots of calls coming in regarding your stories on the weather and parking, so we'll come back to them. Don't worry, we'll try and get as many in as possible. And, of course, those that have texted and tweeted as well will we'll come to you. I want to touch on a subject that people still find hard to talk about, including me. All right, so I'm no different. But it's, it's mental health. And it, it is something that, you know, we need to talk more about. We really do, particularly men. We need to, you know, be up there and say, yeah, hang on, I might have a problem. Did you know, for instance, the biggest killer of men under the age of 45, it's not cancer, it's not smoking or drinking, it's suicide. The bi- Just think about that for a second. The biggest killer of men under... 45, is suicide. A new charity has been formed. They claim it's Scotland's first men's mental health charity, and it's called Brothers in Arms. It's been formed by Dan Proverbs, who says it's a 21st century charity for the 21st century man. And Dan joins us on the line now. Dan, good morning. Good morning. Thanks very much indeed for taking the time out to join us. And uh, I I found that quite staggering that young people under the age of 45, and that is a young person, a young man in particular, just wants to give up and just say, to hell with this, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty. I mean, we are, as men, the biggest danger to ourselves because. You know, when it comes to mental health issues, very often as men, um, and it, it goes back to that the stigma, the, the, the idea of you've got to man up, you've got to suck it up, you've just got to get on with it. You know, as men, what we tend to do when we have mental health issues very often is, is our coping strategies or coping mechanisms are what's called risky ones. So we will turn to drink or alcohol, to gambling, anything that stops us from you know, facing the reality. And unfortunately, very often what happens after that is we take the ultimate coping strategy, which is to take our own life. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, that's the problem. I mean, 75% of all suicides in the UK are male. And really that's why, for me, I, I wanted, apart from my own, mental, my own mental health issues, was the fact that we didn't have something in, in Scotland that represented the fact that you know, the stats are what they are. And, and, you know, for me, we needed to have something, which you get in, in England. You've got Andy Mann's Club, you've got the Calm Zone, which are four men that men can feel comfortable going to, going on site, seeing all the information and, and feeling that they're not alone. Because very often that's the problem is, as men with mental health, we feel that we're the only one that's suffering. Mm-hmm. And because we feel we can't talk about it, we suffer in silence. And I think the other thing I have to make clear, because very often when we do an event, and we've done quite a few, is the first people that normally come to us will be maybe Alcoholics Anonymous or some something to do with drug support. For me, actually, the biggest audience that I want to get to is what I call the brothers hiding in plain sight which is everyday man. This could be the guy that you're sitting next to on the underground. It's the guy that look to all intents and purposes normal. You know, because very often when you say mental health, people have this picture of somebody holding their head in their hands. 
but that's not the case. It could be the person, to all intents and purposes, is, is, is the loudest and most humorous person. Mm-hmm. But, they can but be the one that suffers. He's struggling. Yeah, yeah he's struggling. Yeah. What about you then? You said, you know, through your own mental health problems. And uh-huh. um, What did you start with then? Mine, well, mine was a, I had child, childhood trauma, and that resulted in post-traumatic stress disorder. And very often my coping mechanisms was to to use alcohol or drugs or anything to, to get away from from the situation. But at the age of 42, I, I became a father. And I previous, a couple of months previous to that, I, I'd seriously contemplated taking my own life because I suddenly realized I couldn't run away anymore. Mm-hmm. But actually, when uh, my, my first daughter was born, I eventually, and it still took a long time, managed to get myself to a doctor. And I was that obvious guy, and there'll be other guys out there, you know, we don't go to a doctor. We won't take medication. And then they suggested talking therapy. What, you want me to talk to somebody about this? Mm-hmm. However, eventually, over the last 18 years, I've managed to um, get into a situation where I could talk, you know, use talking therapy and use medication. But, uh, but I was lucky, you know, a lot of men don't have 10 years or 18 years to, to get to that point. So really, that was the whole point of the, the, the charity and, and, and the digital tools that we're, we're um, launching as well as a way for men to access some help through their phones or through their laptops as a way, as a gateway, as it were, to start to, to learn about their issues and and see that they're not alone. And ultimately not take their own lives, because yeah, that's what yeah. we're about. That's what you're there ultimately, for. Ultimately, we're yeah. there to stop men taking their own lives. It's as, very, it's as simple as that. But it's how do we stop this? If it's 75% of males are taking their own lives, that's what we've got to focus on. Men saying to... that... Sorry. Sorry, on you go. Yeah. I was going to say, saying that, even though we're for men, we very much need the sisters. We very much, you know, a lot of the support that comes through online through the community pages, you know, every brother has a mother and brothers need sisters. So we need the support of um, the sisters. So even though we're for men, that doesn't exclude uh, hmm. the, the women as well. In that age group that you're talking about, the, the yeah. under 45s, is the stigma of mental health, I mean, you know, I'm well over the 45, so I come into that bracket <laughs> that if people in your family um, had mental health issues, you know, if, if someone was ill with a heart problem, say, oh, they've, they've got a heart problem. Um, if if they had mental health issues, it was, oh, you know, they've, they've got mental health problems. Yes, you know, um, Whisper it, don't tell anyone, yes. don't, don't admit to it, just put them away in a corner and they'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. For that under 45 age group, is, is that stigma getting, you know, is it lessening? Is that the right word? Is it, you you know, would, is, yeah, it's a really interesting point, and you would think so, wouldn't you? But however, and I can only, I can only go by the, the messages, the emails that I get from bereaved mothers or bereaved partners. You know, it's, you know, the young guys, and I'm talking maybe 13 upwards, young boys turning into men are facing a lot of changes that we didn't, I didn't have. I'm sure you didn't have. I mean, the social media, peer pressure. You've got a rise now in digital technology. 
artificial intelligence and robotics, which is going to change the landscape of jobs and careers. You know, you don't, you no longer have a job for life, mm-hmm. or very rarely do you. So they they have got a huge amount of additional pressures that, as young men, they they they're having to face up to. And and when we say a twenty first century charity for a twenty first century male, it's exactly that because you know that it is changing drastically and it changes very quickly. So again, I mean, one of the the reasons of using apps was a way of, of connecting to these young guys through their phones. So, you know, how can, what's the quickest way we can do this? Well, they use apps all the time. Okay, let's launch an app that, that they can go to privately in confidence mm-hmm. without any stigma or judgment that can be a gateway for them to, to start to seek help. And, and actually what I would like the charity to do eventually is actually go into schools and to start to you know, do a program around emotional resilience um, and, you know... Getting, getting, in, getting in there when they're young. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we have to. I think it's incumbent on us as, as a society in Scotland that we have to do that because, you know, I fear that if we don't, then, then suicide... I mean, suicide rates in Scotland went up 2016 anyway compared to the rest of the UK. And I fear that, that it, could, it could get worse if we don't get in there early. Right. If you have been affected, and you're listening at the moment, if you've been affected by um, suicide, maybe somebody in the family, or indeed uh, you're listening and you you fit into the category here that uh, uh, Dan is talking about, uh, that under 45 who has had these thoughts, uh, give us a call. The number is 0333 2020 401. So what, what do you hope... F- hope for this charity? What do you hope to do? Apart, you know, obviously, you hope to save lives. That, that's yep. something there, isn't it? Yeah. What else? Well, we, we've got a few couple of projects that we've got in. As I've mentioned, we've got the two apps. One we've already launched, which is the uh, Brother Feel Stress Free uh, app, which is, um, you, you go onto our main page, it t- takes you to the download page, and it's, it's free to download. This is the other important thing that I, I have to make sure clear is we anything that we do you know we need to put these this these things out there so they're free for guys we don't want any barriers and that that app is quite a sophisticated app that is, is great for stress and anxiety and it can be used by 13 years upwards and it uses gaming technology um so you know it's a lot game based as well so there's that we're also launching in may um uh, this uh Brother Stay Alive app, which is a suicide prevention app. And to coincide with that, we're also launching our first film, which mm-hmm. is three men talking about their mental health. And uh, it's quite, it's, it's a fantastic film. It's been directed by Duncan Cowles, who's a Scottish BAFTA award-winning director. And it's three men, typical Scottish men, and I mean that in a really positive mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm talking about their mental health issues but with all the banter and humour, but also very serious, very honest. And I think it's probably, I mean, because there's very little content out there in Scotland that represents, from a Scottish perspective, men talking about their mental health. So we thought, you know what, we'll do it ourselves. Let's we'll start making our own content. Yeah. A bit of Scottish humour in it. Just yeah, absolutely. Message over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. so it, 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 and it's fantastic because it's serious. And then it gets to a point, and then it gets, it, the banter kicks in, and there's a humour there as well. So, 
you know, we're, we're quite excited by that. Right. I, that- I, Dan, just hang on there for a second. Yeah, sure. uh, I've got some calls coming through, and I'd just like to take a couple of them here. Uh, Sally's on the line. Sally, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning, Hi. Sally. Right, what, what you, what's your uh, thoughts on, on this, and what do you want to say? I just wanted to say, I did want to thank you for giving a voice to this problem. Uh, my husband, uh, of April, in April of last year, hanged himself. And the, the devastation and the impact to my family has been beyond belief. And he never really had mental health issues. He was an ordinary working guy. And he was working right up until the day before this happened. And I just wanted to make people aware that there's not always anything visible that you can see or touch on. He never expressed a wish to kill himself. And as a family, it's, the devastation has been beyond belief. And there is still a stigma attached to suicide. Very, very much so. so, yeah. You, you found that when you've been saying, yes. you know, have yes. you found it difficult to say to people, my husband yes. committed suicide? Yes, I have. And I live in a very small village. And over the past couple of years, there's at least several suicides in this village of young men. My husband was a wee bit older, he was 59, but in this village alone there has been several suicides of young men and nobody seems to realise or want to speak about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, even I I work, so I went back to work and even my colleagues found it hard. They didn't know what to say to me, how to address it. But I think that Dan's, hopefully his group, even saves one life and saves one family through what I've been through and my daughter and my son, my grandchildren, it'll be a fantastic thing. Sally, was was there any indication, I mean, I know you said he, your husband was working up to to the day almost. Um, was, yeah, was well, it, the day before. The day before. The was day there any, any any indication to you at all? I mean, did you, did you, no. you know, no, no? No, he had been unwell, but I mean physically unwell. He right. had been diagnosed with a lung disorder, which didn't keep him from working. Some days he felt tired. Some days he would say, I feel a bit fed up. Um, had loads of friends, great work colleagues. It was his day off. Perfectly normal day. We spoke. I spoke to him. I was going out with a friend to theatre. He was telling me, he says, I'll take the dog out, come back and have his tea. My neighbours spoke to him that day and stopped and spoke as they did when he was out with the dog, came home, obviously, and when I came in later that night, I found him. Dan, we're we're talking there about how people have to to open up and start talking, but very brave of Sally to come on Um, radio today. Absolutely. My heart heart goes absolutely out to her. Um, I think... He could have spoke to somebody. I mean, his friends, as a family, the devastation is unbelievable. The guilt, the guilt and the shame you feel yeah. because you think, yeah. why did I not see something? Why could he not speak to me and say, I need help? Why did he feel there was nowhere for him no to go? To go. Mm. The thing is, that story there is absolutely... Yeah. Some, that happens more often than not. You know, yes, guys yes. feel that they can't talk to anybody. No. And more often than not, it, you know, and I, I've had so many stories 
sent to me or spoken to people yeah. and he, where family and friends did had no clue. You know, no. this is a thing of, of what guys do. We keep it to ourselves and then we use our ultimate coping strategy, which is to take our own life. And the devastation, because, you know, if you say on average in the UK, it's 12, 12 men a day that are taking their lives. Yeah. Actually, that's 12 families, 12 that's mothers. Right. That are, impact, and you know, it's beyond it, just yeah. families, friends. Yeah. My father, who's 85, was yeah. devastated. Um, he couldn't understand, he couldn't fathom why none of us knew there was something wrong. And, and the guilt alone, you actually. feel. Yeah. You're not alone. I, I could tell you so many stories. That, that is a no. common theme no. in how men take, do, do this, is they yeah, don't talk to anybody. I did find a support group, a local support group, Good. and um, I had went along there, and there was, I mean, I've heard the stories, and I just think, why do folk not take this seriously? <laughs> you know, it well, seems to be well. the zone, and why do they not encourage, as you say, I think going into schools would be fantastic yeah. to well, raise it amongst gonna... young men as well. Sally, we're going to change this. We're going to change it. I know that's, I mean, it, I it hits me hard when I hear... You know, when when it's too late, but all we can do is try. And you know, we've we've been very proactive. We're okay. putting I stuff out there that will help men. You know, and 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 we need we need the sisters, we need the mothers, we need the partners, we need the wives to 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 help us get there. But we, yeah. it will make a difference. Sally, can I just say thank you very much indeed for lifting the phone and. Uh, um, you know, giving us a call and telling us your story because I think, as I said at the 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 start here, you know, we need to start talking about it, and we're not good at that. We, we're not good no, at we're talking not. about. It. We're, not. we're not. But um, thank you very much indeed for for You're joining welcome. us this morning. Thank you. Thank Thanks. You. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Uh, bye bye. Just now, and Dan, you can stay with us for another few moments, can you? Surely. Uh, right. Not okay. Right. We've got some more calls, and uh, we'll take a quick break first. Scotland's talking. The podcast. Somebody said to me in the office the other day, can you really talk about this on a Sunday morning? And I said, why not? And we're talking about it. And Sally felt the, 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 got the strength to call in there and tell us about her suicide of her husband. And if you have just joined us, good morning. We are talking about the biggest killer of men under the age of 45. It's suicide. And a new charity that's been launched, Brothers in Arms, and uh, uh, the gentleman who's behind it is Dan Proverbs. He says it's a 21st century charity for the 21st century man. And it doesn't matter whether it's a Sunday morning or what time of the day or night it is, we should be talking about it. Dan, would you agree? I would absolutely agree. We, the, the more that we, we talk about it, the more we challenge the stigma, the, the more that we bring it into conversation. I mean, it's, it, you know, you touched upon it earlier. I mean, it's almost, we're almost at the point where, you know, cancer, we used to call the big C because we were afraid to, to, to talk about it. We would mention in whispered terms, it's the big C. And I think we're there with mental health, we, you know, specifically men and mental health. And, you know, it's time to change that. We're starting to change it. There's, um, you know, there's a, there is, you know, I have to say, you know, Scotland does have mental health support. Um, 
sites and groups in, in, in Scotland. For me, it's having something that's specific to men, that represents men. Um, and also, you know, talking about it, there's enough places out there that are challenging the stigma and, and trying to start the conversation. I think, you know, for us, it's about doing something, doing the next step. Mm. You know, what is it more proactively that you can do? And, um, you know, as a, going back to the apps and creating a film feels like we're putting something out there that men can, can connect to. And, and, and I think that's very, very important. Talking is important about it. It's very important. If we, start, if, if we, if well. we also, do you not think, Diane, if we become um, more open about this, then yep. the health authorities will be actually forced to tackle it a bit heavier than they actually do? Because we, we, it's all right saying, you know, yes, there are, there are places that you can go, the, the, the health authorities will look after you. But when a young man is yeah. and and I know this from uh, you know circumstances that a friend fell into a young man needing help where everybody agrees he should be um, put into a, a unit to, yeah. to help him recover and yeah. then you know the the health the mental health staff find you know they work on the next sometimes yeah. a full day just looking for a place. For, yep. for this person because there are not enough places and, and a place is being offered, uh, you know, miles, hundreds of miles yep. away. That, that is wrong. That is wrong and, 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 and frustrating. And, and you know what? I totally get that. I mean, one of our ambassadors, um, Reese, who I remember he was sectioned, you know, in one of those places that you, you're talking about. And I remember going there because I thought, Dan, you can't, you can't do all of this or talk about this if you're not going to step up. And I remember going to visit him in, the, in, in this place. And, you know, just to be clear, these people that work there are doing a, you know, an amazing job in very frustrating circumstances. And it was, a, it was very challenging to go in and see it. And I thought, my God, we, we, we need to be doing something. We need to be doing more than this. Because this is at the end. You know, you, you're in a really desperate situation when you're sectioned. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to be getting in there beforehand. You know, going into the schools, starting to teach specific, you know, especially younger guys, because ultimately it's about how we as men deal with our mental health, which ultimately leads us to taking our own lives. We need to get in there and start to say, look, there is there is ways that we can, you know, there's things and support and digital tools and, you know, peer-to-peer -peer support groups that we can do and start to teach them. And I think it's incumbent to... Upon us as a society to do that, you know, uh, you know, we're Scotland, we're a sophisticated right. society. Yes. We should be able to be do to do this, and you know, and uh, look, I, the GPs, what do they? You know, they're under enough pressure as it is. I mean, you'll get, you know, for a man to go to the doctor in the first place, that whole journey in itself, for him to talk about his mental health, yeah, you know, you're only going to be given ten minutes. If I know it's like the clock is on you. Yeah, yeah. So we right. need to be putting stuff in before that. Right, before let's, they get to that point. Let's go back on the phones. Kim's here. Hello, Kim. Morning. Morning. Your point, please. My point, um, first of all, I'd like to say I'm so glad you're talking about this on a Sunday morning, and I think we should be talking about it every morning of the week. Thank you. Um, the more we're talking about it, you know, we are attacking the stigma. We're giving people the message that it's okay to talk about it. I'm with um, a charity in Wishaw. We're called Chris's House, um, and it was founded by... Anne Round, who very sadly lost her son to suicide. 
um, and Anne wanted a safe place for people to come um, when they're feeling suicidal or in crisis. And we've been on the go now since about August 2015. And it's all about encouraging people to talk about their mental health. Right. All about talking. It's all about non-judgment and compassion. And at that crisis point, people need compassion. They need it immediately. They need it for as long as they need it. And that is sadly where the NHS model is just not equipped. You know, the, the, um, as Dan was saying, people in every hospital in every city are doing a fabulous job, but they're, yeah. they're restrained. They're absolutely, their hands are tied to give people in crisis what they need when they need it. So, you know, saying to somebody, come back in three weeks and we'll see you. Yeah. No, yeah. not yeah. good enough. That's not it, isn't it? Because it's that that, that just knows what can happen in the next twenty four hours. Never mind three weeks. And that's what we're about at Christmas House. We have we man the phones, we man our Facebook page, we respond within an hour. We see people often the same day, um, and it's that creating that place of safety, that feeling of safety, and even that feeling of hope that right. that supplies. That's what we're doing, and it's what we need. And and what Dan's talking about is spreading the word, getting you know, the word out there, getting more people to talk, and yes, more men. So do you, you think then, uh, uh, Kim, from, from your experience, do you think that uh, Dan's charity, Brothers in Arms, is to be welcomed? Fabulous, absolutely welcomed. With open arms, absolutely. The more that we're all doing together, the, you know, the better. I'd like to invite Dan to come up to Christmas House and see what we do there. You know, that there's probably... There's probably connections there that we can yep. work on things together, but the more people that are talking about it, the better. Dan? Yeah, well, funny enough, Anne sent me uh, an email last week. So we are going to, I'm going to go across and visit. So, yes, you know, that's yeah. a, coincidentally. Yes, I mean, you know, you know, they, they, you know, Crystal House has been ahead of the game, you know, absolutely. Um, and, but, you know, again, it's this, this, they are very much, treating people that are in crisis, you know, again, I, I go back to how do we, how do we get in there before they reach that crisis point? And I, I think the other thing as well, and I know I keep banging on about the digital tools, but also we've got remote parts of Scotland, you know, the Highlands, Stornoway, you know, pretty much suicide rates are high there, you know, no access to, um, to help very often. So, I mean, I, we've had downloads of the app in Stornoway. We, we've actually had downloads on North Sea oil rigs. Yeah. So for me, that's the, the other important thing is is reaching out to, you know, with the digital tools, we can reach every part of Scotland mm -hmm. very quickly. As long as it's got Wi-Fi, they can download the tools, the app, and then they, you know, it's, it's, it, they're not, they're not there as a, to, you know, they're there as a tool to help, as a gateway, but it's a start. And if you're... That's the thing most men in our experience, they struggle to know where to start. But once they start, you know, we, we haven't, we've, we've had over 500 guests in about a year and a half. Um, you know, thank the heavens we haven't lost anybody. Mm -hmm. When people start talking, you know, there are solutions. Yeah. And, and finding finding someone to talk to is is obviously the important thing, Dan. Kim, thank yep. you very much indeed uh, for your call. Uh, it's, it's excellent to to get that feedback there. Thank you, thanks, Kim. Um, we've got another call coming through. I think, yeah, yeah it was uh, Stephen. Stephen, hi. Hello, Ali. Hello, yes. 
What's uh, your thoughts here, well, Stephen? Well, I've had depression for 15 years now, and I'm actually one of the historic abuse victims that have been in the news recently for long, you know, for a while now. And uh, as your gentleman was saying on the show, there's a lot of stigma attached to depression and mental health. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced that from my own family. Uh, I have three brothers and they turned their back on me. And it's very hard to deal with every day. And it is important to speak to people. And I deal with a very good organisation called Wellbeing Scotland in Falkirk. And uh, the person that runs it, uh, Janine Rennie, has been a good help support me for over 10 years now. And it's very, very hard living us on a daily basis. It doesn't just affect yourself, it affects your whole family. Well, that's, that seems to be what's coming through this morning, certainly, Stephen. You know, that it is, is the family that, that, uh, that feel it as well. I mean, have you always felt that there's something there or there's someone there to speak to? Or, or, or have you felt at times just totally isolated? I do, I do feel where we live uh, down here in Sonora is pretty isolated. And uh, this uh, organisation in, in Falkirk, the, the, you know, I can phone Janine anytime I want to. And she's been very good. Other times I'm not one to talk to about it. And I'm left on my own. I, I don't get much of staying most days. And it does feel very isolated at times. If you're staying in most days, the loneliness must get to you it, as well. Uh, it's loneliness and you've got all these memories in your head of what happened. See, I, I was brought up in a big uh, children's home in the 60s. And... Uh, I lost up and on, and I, I didn't have my breakdown until 2003, when it all came back to me. Not good memories. And I, I've got to live with this, these memories mm. every day in my head. And it is important to talk to you, as your, your guest on the programme did say, you've got to speak to someone, try and email your own GP. I know you might only get 10 minutes with your GP, but my GP down here has been very helpful and supportive, and they've all given me double appointments if I ask for it. Right, and Stephen, have you, have you got to the stage that you've had suicidal thoughts? I've actually attempted suicide about a dozen times now. Really? And I tried to kill myself with a hose pipe as well, and somebody found me and I got taken to the hospital. And I was that desperate. I was just in the car crying, didn't want to go in anymore. Mm-hmm. I had the hose pipe and it was starting to affect, and somebody found me. Right, Dan, uh, uh, another sad story that yes, shows another, that, you know, yeah. you know, there but, is a need. Oh, yeah, and I think the, the other thing I, I think, you know, and I, I want to reiterate is, is that, you know, it's the brothers hiding in plain sight. That's, that's who we want to reach out to. It's, it's, it's the guys that, you know, as I said before, look to all intents and purposes, for want of a better word, as normal. You know, they're, they're the ones that I con- I'm concerned with the most because it's how we reach out to them. It's how we say to them, look, you're not alone. You know, it's you're okay. There is support out there for you. You know, don't don't take it on yourself, and 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 uh, to, to take the ultimate way out. There is there is help out there for you. Uh, and for me, you know, Brothers in Arms is about providing something that they can you know go on to feel that they're not alone mm. through the use of the app, so they can use that in private. I mean, you know, the, the, the stress-free one looks like a game. So you could be on a, on a train with your headphones in using it and no one would know that it's um, there to help, you know, yeah, you yeah. start your journey to deal with mental health. So okay. for me, that's, that's where we come from. You know, I, I don't, you know, once they get into crisis, that, you know, I want to get in there beforehand. We need to get there beforehand. You know, prevention is better than... 
think sure you know for sure and and and, and you know by going, going to the younger guys because let's emphasize it's the single biggest killer of men under the age of 45 you know it's how we reach out to to specifically those younger boys turning into men that we've uh, you know the sooner we get there through emotional resilience so that they can deal with all the changes that are ahead of them then they'll be able to cope better and, and not take the ultimate way out. Mm. Stephen, thank you very much indeed for coming on and telling us your story. Finally, uh, Dan, how do people get in touch? What's the website? How do, how do they... You know... Right, the website is it's, uh, brothersinarmsscotland.co.uk. You can email, email me at dan at brothersinarmsscotland.co.uk. And we've got a, a Brothers in Arms Facebook page, community page. You can message, join get involved and the more you know the more the more, you know we're getting volunteers we've got a we've got a because um, we're a volunteer base mm-hmm. so any funds that we raise goes direct we've got very low infrastructure very low cost base it means that we can any of the funds that we raise goes directly to the projects that we've got we've got ongoing um you know we've got a, a core of about 15 ambassadors who absolutely get involved with fundraising uh, the last fundraiser we did raised six thousand pounds, which is going towards the um, suicide prevention app. So you know, so a lot, go- a lot going behind it. A lot going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, great. Dan, I have to stop you there because I am running out of time. But Sorry, thank you very much. Not at all. Uh, thank you very much indeed for coming on and talking about it and uh, getting brothers in arms out to to the public. And no doubt we'll follow this up in the in Brilliant. the weeks to come. Thank you very much indeed for joining. Thank you. Thanks thank you. for your time. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'. Okay, so we've had uh, a fair uh, range of subjects this morning. The first hour, we're talking about parking and the fact that uh, Glasgow is going to start charging for parking in the city centre on a Sunday, which falls in line with uh, Aberdeen, Dundee and uh, others that already do that. Uh, we've also been talking about the, the weather, of course, and uh, the the new charity that has been formed. Um, it's called Brothers in Arms and uh, a guest there, Dan Proverbs, who set it up and a uh, very interesting discussion and call set as well. So we've got a few calls that cover all these subjects. So let's just uh, spend the next few minutes as we get to the last five minutes of the programme um, and chat to a few. Here's Jim in Clarkson. Hi, Jim. How are you doing? Hi, good morning. Good morning to you. What's your thoughts today, then? Well, it's about the parking charges on a Sunday. OK. Uh, no, I was on the webpage, uh, Glasgow, and they're bringing in a low emission zone by December. So any car that's more than two or three years old, mm. like a congestion charge, will be yeah. charged going into the city as well as the parking on a Sunday. So, you know, and they're talking about maybe 10 to £15 pounds per day. Uh, and I just think, you know, uh, every chance that they can get, the motorist is getting a hit constantly. I think it's disgraceful. You know, I 100% agree with you, really do. I think the, the motorist gets hit so much. And, and this, you know, congestion charge and emissions charge, it really is a case. It's an extra tax that we're getting thrown in on us. You know, when, yes, you, th- when you think, you know, when they, uh, we had Mr Blair and Mr Brown telling us to buy diesel cars because that was the way forward. And people, I don't know about you, but I did. I went and bought a diesel yep, car. Uh, you know, and I've still got it. <laughs> you know, I've still, so well, I'm, I'm going to... 
There's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's fine. It's a great car. Why should I be forced to pay a penalty? Just, you know, I, I did what I was told to do. Yeah, yeah. And, and now we've got another government who want to change it. And then, you know, if the government changes again, who knows? It can change it again. And it's like electric cars. All go electric. We're not ready to go electric no, yet. Of you know, not. just ask these guys that were stuck in the snow because their battery <laughs> went flat. You know, come on. It's just, you know, and, and, and I've heard of one council recently who was so into electric cars and now they find that they can't get rid of them. They can't sell them because nobody wants them. The second-hand ones. Place to charge them. Well, you know, some councils have been better than that, uh, than others at charging points. But uh, uh, it's just, it seems to be there is a way to make a pound. Let's do it. Yes, and hammer the drivers. Hammer the drivers wherever possible. Yeah. OK, Jim, thank you for that. Agnes Scott is with us now. Hello, Agnes. Hi, Ali. How are you doing today? No bad, son. OK, what do you think then? Well, I'm on about the grit. I look like hogs. Mm -hmm. The Trenton Depot and Carroll Street is selling bags of the stuff. Right, okay. Uh, so if you can get it into your car, you can go to Carroll Street and they'll have bags of grit for sale. Right, so get out there and get the, the, the grit. If you can buy it, then get it on the roads or get it in your path or whatever. Thanks, Agnes. Neil's in Livingston. Hello, Neil. Yes, good afternoon. Well, almost afternoon. It is almost afternoon, you're right. Um, there's a lot of negativity going about on the snow and who's not doing what. I wanted to put a slight positive spin on it, if I may. You may. On you go. Lothian 4x4 Response is a group of volunteer four-wheel drive owners who have been on the road since... Late Monday, early Tuesday, in Clackmanager, Falkirk, West Lothian, East Lothian, Mid Lothian, and the Borders, providing support and help to NHS, various other organisations. I don't think they need a wee word of well done, boys. Absolutely right. Well done, boys and girls, because there's probably both of them there as well. Thank you very much indeed, Neil. You're right. A bit of positive news there. Uh, one more call I think we can squeeze in. David. Hi, Ollie. How are you doing? I'm not bad, sir. Thank you. Your point, please. Yes, it's to do with this mental health issue that everybody's talking about today. I've suffered from mental health problems for a, a lot of years, and once or twice I've been very close to, to suicide myself, you know, I've seen psychology in the past, and I've actually had to move away from a town where it was making me to the point where I was going to be committing suicide. It was that bad. Right. But since I've moved up to this new town, you know, things have changed. But, you know, I'm actually a carer for my wife full time, you mm -hmm. know, and I've got days that I just don't want to be here. You at just all. feel so low. Just feel so low. You know, I don't know if I should be saying this in air, but, you know, I challenge, you know, mental health team out in... Morishar to try and help me because, you know, I just feel like that there's nothing out there for people like myself, you know, who have to struggle on from day to day, you know, thinking about suicidal tendencies and be a carer, you know, and expect to just to get on with it. You know, it's just, it's, it's appalling mm -hmm. the way we're left to get on with it, you know. So you're just not getting the help? Well, no, since I moved up here six months ago, I saw a, a psychiatrist for two sessions and he put me in touch with um, somebody else within his team 
he came around to my house for half an hour and listened to me, and that was it. There's nothing else been done. So I'm still really left in the lurch, if you like, you know, as to what to do, you know. Well, if you, if you can, and I'm sorry, we have really run out of time, and, and I apologise for, for um, bringing it to an end there, David. But um, if you can, get a chance to uh, log on to brothersinarmsscotland.co.uk and, and see if you can get some help in there. At least there's someone to talk to, and that's, that's what it's all about. Thank you very much indeed for your call, and again, apologies. We have run out of time. This has been Scotland's Talking. Thank you very much indeed for listening. You're listening to Scotland's Talkin', the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talkin'.